Hey guys, it's Kimberly. Thank you so much for joining us for the very first episode of The Limitless Pregnancy. Uh, naturally, because it is April of 2020, Emma and I felt like the only most relevant way to start out our podcast was to be talking about what life is like right now um, with nearly all of us in quarantine in the time of COVID-19 and what that's like uh, specifically for me being in the beginning of my third trimester of pregnancy, but also how that changes everything. With my journey, uh, Emma was in a very different place. She was just beginning to research and look into her fertility journey. So um, she shares a little bit, I share a lot. And I think the biggest point that we wanted to get across to all of you is that things are weird and you're not alone and there's a lot to talk about and we're here. So please enjoy. Let's do it. Here we are talking about pregnancy and (laughs) coronavirus. Yes. And I mean, as of today, which is April 4th, I guess I guess every day there seems to be really different information that's coming out and new developments every day. So as of now, in terms of pregnancy and what's happening with COVID-19, it seems like what the experts are saying is that there isn't necessarily a higher risk for pregnant women to get COVID-19. But of course, because pregnant women have weaker immune systems throughout pregnancy, it's just a time to be taking even extra precautions if you are pregnant, in addition to all of the precautions that everyone should be taking, staying at home, wearing gloves and masks when going outside, homemade masks, of course, not taking away from any of the masks that would be used by medical professionals. Yes. I loved the um, Instagram link that you sent me, by the way, of like the 30 second DIY mask with a scarf and two hair ties. That was awesome. Yes. I made one today. I used my dog Bino's bandana, washed it first, obviously, (laughs) and then rolled it a bunch of times and used two hair ties and made myself a nice little mask. So I highly recommend I can put them maybe maybe I'll put that link in the show notes so that people can see how to make those DIY masks with a bandana. Yeah, do it. Have you tried to make it yet? I have not yet. We um, we've been sewing masks. A lot of the Joanne Fabrics has been giving out fabric as well, but a lot of the, not all, but a lot of the local hospitals here at this point have been accepting, um, like mask kits that they basically just give out to volunteers and then you sew them and then give them back to the hospital. So we have a pattern of, for masks that we have made. Um, so we have our own, but it is definitely much more time consuming than that 30 second video. So I feel like at this point, you know, I need to start working on accessorizing and like matching my mask to my outfit. So Right, right. Hopefully you have plenty of bandanas or just fabric then extra fabric laying around. Yeah, because at this point it's going to be the newest, hottest accessory. Yes. So as someone who's now seven months pregnant, do you feel like since the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, you've been taking even extra precautions because you are pregnant um I will be honest not since the beginning in the beginning they definitely were saying that people who are immune compromised should stay home and I probably just more bullishly than anything else was like I'm gonna keep going to work because I want to get my workout in you know just being like super stubborn and not 
great about it. Although for a long time, that's all I did. Not for a long time, I guess. Felt like forever, but it was probably only two weeks that I was literally going from work to home and then that was it. But then, of course, that that all ended. Um, Nick and I had to come to Jesus with each other and it was like, okay, it's time. <laughs> it's time to just <laughs> time to stay home, stay inside. Yeah, because it's not worth it because like, why am I risking what the risk reward comparison just is not leveling out here? Like, why am I risking my health and potentially and the health of this baby so that I can go teach a bar class? Like, it makes no sense. Right. <laughs> obvious. <laughs> definitely. definitely doesn't make sense to take any risks right now. And I guess the reality is, is because COVID-19 is such a new strain of coronavirus. No one I mean. The experts are saying that there isn't an extra risk, right? But no one really knows long term what it could potentially mean to have COVID-19 during a pregnancy. We really don't know at this point. So taking extra precautions seems like the smart thing to be doing. Well, yeah. And just because, I mean, even when... um when we came back from Maldives and I got that ear infection that lasted for literally four weeks, like anytime anything targets your immune system when you're pregnant, it just takes that much longer for it to dissipate. So, mm. you know, it's just, it really is not worth it. It's not worth it. And I was being stupid, but I'm not anymore. <laughs> Brownie points for being smart now. <laughs> and we still Clorox do... everything. Like car steering wheel, like we're Cloroxing all of our life everything yeah yes I feel like there's I actually I wanted to ask you what you think about that in terms of using all of those kind of toxic disinfectants (sighs) that probably you would normally steer clear of during your pregnancy but now like how do you kind of weigh out that risk reward here where you know that you have to disinfect everything I is it fair to assume that normally you wouldn't be touching those toxic sprays during pregnancy oh absolutely none of that existed in our household prior to this so Nick handles most of it he throws on gloves and uses like the Clorox bleach wipes I mean like he was he wiped the windowsills the other day, or I guess it was a couple weeks ago at this point, but um, like in our bedroom, because we, when the weather is nice, we open the window, let the fresh air in, like air out the apartment, you know, because in Seattle, it's so damp during the winter that it's nice to get that fresh airflow once it starts to warm up and sort of like <laughs> dry out the apartment. Mm. Um, so he handles all of the bleaching of everything. But yeah, I, I have never had those things exist in my house prior to this so it's different for sure but I'm not touching it most of the time I I get a little OCD like I went into the car the other day and we haven't been going anywhere but I went into the car the other day and I was like the steering wheel hasn't been wiped down and I literally like (laughs) wiped down the steering wheel wiped down the gear shift wiped down like all of the buttons and the touch screen and for no reason other than the fact that I don't know. You know, we're all stir crazy at this point. And my crazy mom brain is like, what else is potentially going to kill us all? Yeah. And I also think we're all just on such an emotional roller coaster right now. Right. Like some days it's OK. I can get used to this. I'm at home. I'm used to this new cleaning routine and disinfecting routine and not going to the grocery store and having groceries delivered and spraying all the bags before I bring them into the house. And it feels almost like this new normal. And then at least for me, I'll wake up the next day and just feel like I've been hit by a bus. Like, is this really 
the world that we're living in right now? Is this really reality? How is this even happening? And I'll, some days I'll watch too much news and just feel like I need to shut it off for a few days. Like I just need to take a break almost because it's just, and, and I'm someone, we're both obviously fortunate where we can stay home. We don't have jobs where we're on the front line. We're not putting ourselves out in danger for everyone else, but it just still feels like such an emotional roller coaster every day. Yeah, it's completely fatiguing from like a nervous system perspective it's the same for me I feel like when I because I'll go on those crazy tangents too or those crazy episodes where it'll be like seven o'clock at night and I'll suddenly be like I have to do all of the laundry and I have to clean all of the things and I have to watch all of the news and I have to absorb all this information to find out what's going on and then suddenly it's midnight and then the next day I try to get out of bed and I feel like garbage because right. we're just after by the way a whole day of homeschooling which <laughs> yeah. is not your profession <laughs> it is not my profession and I'm not I don't want to say I'm not good at it but it's not what I was cut out to do I am trying my <laughs> hardest but I just can I can definitely say that not only was I not cut out to do it but school is so different now than it was when we were kids like the math right. that they're doing is completely different there's not there's not one kind of math everything is like four different approaches and I'm trying to look at fractions with least common denominators and Harper's looking at me like I'm insane and she's like what are you talking about we don't do it that way and I'm like cool I can't help you awesome so yes it is, it is exhausting I feel like my brain is just kind of perma fried at this point yeah what about you like how for where you are because I would imagine that prior to all of this right prior to COVID becoming a thing like you were at a point in your fertility journey where you guys were in the process of trying to get pregnant how mm -hmm. how has all of that affected your process yeah I think that it's 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 hard. I've been reading a lot about people. We're not at we weren't at the point where we were going to be doing IVF, but I know for a lot of people their um, cycles were canceled. And really, I've thought a lot about how people who are in the middle of their fertility journey, wherever they were at that point, how this is now either it's completely on pause for them or it's just become this like scary unknown and I, I mean I think for everyone who was potentially doing an IUI or an IVF or um, maybe about to get a surrogate I think a lot of those plans are mostly all on pause right now and so for us right now it's just trying to navigate like what does that look like now for the next few months and yeah yeah it's really crazy so I'm I'm curious like for you right now is what do you feel like has been the biggest focus for you or like the biggest change with your pregnancy during the time of COVID-19 and I think that it's also important for us to just say from like a medical fact perspective we do know that at least what the experts are saying is that there is no evidence right now of vertical transmission, right? So that meaning that there is no evidence that if a mother is infected with COVID-19, that it would be passed on to the child that's in utero. So I think that's just important to note for anyone who's listening who could be potentially concerned about if they are pregnant and if they do get coronavirus right now, what that means for their unborn baby. So I think that's really positive news. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's probably my biggest saving grace right now is just being able to focus on that. Um, and I know that we're still learning about now they're saying that there are 
eight different strains of coronavirus that are all obviously because it's RNA. Yeah, they're all very, very similar. They have like very minor differences, but it's because it's because of the way they've traveled the globe, etc. So like it's not really it's not really um, morphing that dramatically, but you know, it is a a virus, so things do change. So, like, I I hope that that information stays accurate, that the vertical Mm -hmm. transmission is just not an element of this this infection because I feel like that's the one thing that's keeping me sane is knowing that Mm -hmm. in two months when this baby is on the outside in whatever (laughs) our world looks like at that point, like, at least I know the baby will be healthy. Right, definitely. Because it is, it's so different and things are changing by the day with hospitals and regulations and what they're allowing and what they're not allowing. And, you know, New York, I mean, luckily there was pushback and things have changed at most hospitals in New York. But there was almost two weeks where women were delivering on their own. Their husbands couldn't even be in the hospital. They had to. I just can't even imagine that. Yeah. I mean, and here in Seattle right now, some hospitals are allowing one person so you have to if you had a doula or any other kind of birthing assistant if you you had to choose between having them there or having your husband there and or your partner right and I love my husband and I know that he will do the best he can but I can't imagine being put in that situation because Nick is a very emotional man and I feel like a doula would probably be more helpful as far as like getting through the labor process than he would. But I can't imagine having to be like, well, I, I either am going to choose to not have my husband be a part of the birth, obviously not an option or choose to like potentially make my birthing process more difficult for me in order to have him there. You know, it's crazy. And Harper is not allowed in the hospitals at all here. So we're actually in the process right now of transitioning our care out of the hospital system and into um, a birthing center. So what has that process looked like trying to transition from your original birth plan of delivering in a hospital to now delivering in a birthing center? Um, It's been interesting because so many of the hospital regulations are not exactly the same, but incredibly similar to one another. So... If you go in for a birth in a hospital, you mostly know what you're getting yourself into. With birthing centers, it's all very, very different. And we've had to ask really different questions than hospital questions, right? Like in our interviews with these midwives, we've had to be like, what is your um, post-delivery policy? Like basically how long until you kick us out? And some of them are as early as like two hours post-delivery. Wow. And is that just because there's such high demand right now that they're trying to meet it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and a couple of birthing centers that we interviewed already are like, we're full through August. Like people are in such a rush here right now to get out of the hospital system so that they can have, you know, not even just multiple people in the room, but just more of a sense of security because you know, when you go to a birthing center that you're not potentially 20 feet away from someone who's infected. Um, I actually have a friend in Oregon who is a neonatal nurse who was saying she was like, the only way that you'll be safe in a hospital is if you have, if they have a birthing facility that has a completely separate entrance, which where we were planning to deliver um, at the hospital in Seattle, it's the, the entrance to get into the birthing center is literally the same front doors as the entrance to the ER. And so we were like, nope. This is not where we belong. Yeah. So it's all, I mean, 
it's all very interesting. And the questions that we're having to ask are very different. Also, like with the birthing center, you know, I'm high risk because of my medical history with endometriosis and because of the things that have, that happened when I had such a serious case of dengue. But like as far as high risk in the process of delivery, I'm not incredibly high risk, but at the same time, like what is, what is their emergency plan? What is their emergency hospital transfer plan? What does that look like? How far away is the nearest hospital? You know, if it's 20 minutes that depending on the emergency that may or may not happen in labor, that is a matter of life and death. So like having to take all of that into consideration when trying to figure out where to transfer our care to where we can still have some semblance of a sane birthing experience. Nick can be there. Harper can be there. Um, so you did find a birthing center where you guys can all be in the room as originally planned. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the birthing center that we found, I feel like was sort of our happy medium because the, the attending midwife is also a naturopathic doctor. So we do have someone who does have a medical degree as well as, um, a midwifery degree. So that just made me feel a little bit more comfortable, but that's also a lot more common here in Seattle, you know? I mean, Harper was born 10 years ago, but in Oregon, like, you are, are either a doctor or a midwife. You would never do both. Right. So Because midwives are not technically doctors. Correct. And they're not technically – there are so there are different certifications, which is something that we learned as well. You can be a certified nurse midwife, which means that you do have a nursing degree, or you can be a licensed midwife, which means that you've just gone to school for midwifery and you don't have the same medical background. So there's a lot. There's a whole spectrum. (laughs) I feel like we have to have a whole other episode talking about doctors versus using midwives, also about using doulas. There's just so much to dive into there. Yeah. Are you still going to have your doula with you at the birthing center? So I don't have a doula, which is um, something that we went back and forth on a lot. But because I was a doula for so many years, um. And because Nick was a physical therapist, I feel like I I feel confident um, passing on enough information to him to feel like I'll get a good enough experience out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel like so much it was up in the air for so long. It was like, where am I going to deliver? Are we staying in Seattle? Are we going to Oregon to be closer to my family? Are we just going to get out and go to Miami? Like, we didn't have... A clear path for so long it didn't make sense to hire a doula anyway and then work with them for a couple of months and then be like never mind we're not gonna be here so right well I'm really glad that you guys have found a birthing center where you can all be in the room together and it sounds it sounds like the best possible plan that you can have right now considering this just crazy time and situation yeah yeah it's I hope it doesn't have to change again <laughs> right I'm curious, how does insurance play a role in this whole transition now for you? Because my assumption would be that if you were doing the traditional route, like your original plan and delivering in a hospital, most of that would be covered by your insurance. Can you now have coverage using a birthing center? Yeah. So the state of Washington actually has always been really great about providing coverage. For the most part, most major policies provide coverage for hospitals or birthing centers, but it's so different state by state. I know when I delivered Harper 10 years ago in Oregon. I had her at a water birthing center and zero of it was covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. I believe Oregon is different now, but again, it's states 
it's so different state by state. And I know that a lot of there's a lot of pushback right now uh, on the insurance companies to get them to cover out of hospital birthing options just because so many people want to get out of the hospital system. But, you know, it's it's privatized insurance. So there's so many hoops to jump through. And there's I mean, I I have all the hope in the world that they're able to figure it out because, you know, women should be able to have their babies wherever they feel the safest and the most comfortable. And and absolutely, they should be able to have their babies with their partner next to them, Mm -hmm. supporting them, helping them, whatever the case may be. But it really is different depending on where you live. Right. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of women, depending on where they live right now, are going to be having very different birthing experiences over the next few months or potentially in the past month. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully everyone is able to find a plan that whether it's their plan A that they can stick with or a new plan B that is just as adequate and they can still have a really supported experience, um, supported and safe experience, I guess, is all that anyone can really hope for. Yeah. And there are a lot of resources out there. You know, I know a lot of the women that I went through my doula training with, which was in 2010, so 10 years ago, um, a lot of them are offering even just like counseling and consulting for women who were in the hospital system that don't know what to do now. So, I mean, luckily, I think that's one of the great things that's happening right now is everyone's kind of coming together and supporting one another and helping each other out. So I would say for anyone who doesn't know what the right choice is, like just reach out to someone because everyone wants to help. Mm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. What about all the stuff leading up to your actual due date and delivery? Is there Are there a lot of things that you feel like are changing now because of the current times? Everything's changing. Well, I mean, I, I was supposed to start two months ago with a pelvic floor therapist and they keep, it's funny, they keep pushing back my... Um, introductory session and I'm supposed to have it every other week. Um, but obviously things like that are not considered necessary. So I'm not doing any physical therapy. Um, and some of that I can, can do at home do on my like own. like a Zoom or a Skype call with them so that you can still at least start working with them? So they have not, at least where I'm going um, in the hospital system that I'm in, they haven't changed their regulations to allow for a telehealth um for like an initiation or an an initial um, appointment, you can't do it via telehealth. You have to do it in person, Um, which hopefully that will change (laughs) at some point. Yeah, I feel like telehealth is just being pushed along so quickly right now because of what's going on. I feel like before it was something that some people had access to, some people were kind of comfortable with, but it was still this pretty new idea over the last few years. And I think all of these telehealth and telemedicine companies are just being completely fueled. And this whole situation is a catalyst for the telehealth industry, which I think is a great thing because medicine should be accessible to people no matter if they're, you know, in a more typical time sitting at work and they need to talk to a doctor and they can't get to the doctor or they're at home or wherever it is that they are. I think that telemedicine is a really powerful tool. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad that in some ways that it's being uh, pushed forward now and that it will be more accessible, hopefully, to people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree entirely. We've had to move. Well, when we were still in the hospital system, all of our midwifery appointments were also moving to telehealth. Um, 
And, you know, they were in the process of getting ready to send everyone home with their little handheld Dopplers so that you can check baby's heart rate on your own because really that's the only thing, yeah, that's the only thing at this point that um, is necessary to happen in person other than, you know, every so often I have to get my blood work done and right now I'm doing the glucose testing for gestational diabetes, but like the majority of stuff in the, in your typical visit with your midwife or with your OB, you can, in theory, do that at home as long as you have the right tools. So they were just transitioning to moving everyone to at-home appointments for that. And and um, the hospital that I was at, they were going to move me to telehealth appointments up until 36 weeks. So I wouldn't have seen my midwife again until four yeah. weeks before my due date, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very different. And then, of course, there are all the social things that are changing as well, too, right? Yeah. Like, did, did you decide to do a Zoom baby shower or you're just not going to do anything? I don't <laughs> Does know. Does it feel weird to do a Zoom baby shower? I mean, can you still play all the games yes, online with it feels your friends? So weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't quite know how that would work. I feel like if we did a Zoom baby shower, it would be like, okay, everyone just make sure you have a glass of wine in your hand. And I don't know. We'll all. I don't know. I have yeah. no idea what it looks like. You know, I don't know how you I don't know how you possibly make it the same right. kind of experience. You don't. You can't. Right. There's no way it's going to be the same experience. But I don't know how you make it enjoyable for all the guests if it's just like, you know, 30 screens up on the computer and we're all just staring at each other and half the people don't know one another. Right. Like and that same you chemistry know. that you would have in person in a room is it's it's not the same when you're doing a Zoom call. It's just it's really not the same. There's no way to skirt around that. I, right, I have a friend exactly. who had to cancel so, their gender reveal. And I mean, gender reveals are parties are a whole other topic that we should definitely dive into one day. I have a lot of thoughts on gender reveals. <laughs> yeah. I think they're great for some people, not my same. style, but I think it's great for people who like to, you know, celebrate and have a lot of different, I guess, have any excuse to celebrate. I think it's great for someone like that. Um, but for someone who for so long was looking forward to that big moment, whether it's the cutting of the cake or the popping the balloons with this, the colors and being able to have that moment with friends and family, same like a baby shower. I think that it's just it's just such a hard time to not be able to go through the typical motions that you would and the celebrations that you would have with people around this time, which is such an exciting time in someone's life. Yeah, totally. And we've talked about, you know, like, do we just delay it and have yeah. a baby shower after the baby is already born? And then at that point, it's a like sip-and-see. everyone gets to meet the baby. But we also have, have no idea. This? Yeah, but we also have no idea when that's going to happen. I, I have heard the about the sip, sip and see. see. Like, if for anyone who's listening that doesn't know, sip and see is when after the baby baby's born everyone comes and they sip on alcohol preferably and see the baby (laughs) I think it's very cute that that I would be down for (laughs) well and I love that because then you actually get to meet the baby right so it's like you you instead of you're celebrating it either way but it's always more fun once you get to see it on the outside but we don't even know when at this point that can happen Regardless, like, is the baby going to be two by the time right. we can oh gather in large quantities again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I really hope It's okay. That. When I was joking about it yesterday, I said five, so I'm dropping the numbers. Let's, let's stick with maybe like a few months, six months max, hopefully. But I, I mean, it is true, right? If, if things do go back to slightly normal in a few months from now and we're able to lessen the rules on social distancing and people are going back to work and they're going back to the stores throughout the summer, even if that does happen, I think people are still going to be really hesitant and cautious with traveling and being in crowds or large groups together. So I, I think two years, I I mean, my fingers are crossed that, that we are not living like this for two years because I really don't know. I just think it would take such a toll on all of our, um, well, obviously physical health for anyone who gets sick from COVID-19, but also mental health for anyone who is just everyone else who's at home just going crazy as we already are after one month so two years now let's let's really let's take a moment to pray for just a few months (laughs) great Uh, yeah I mean it's definitely a different learning curve than any of us have ever known that's for sure but even once we are not on this stay-at-home order anymore we're gonna have to phase it's gonna be phases of going back to normalcy right like it's still not gonna be just like okay great the order has been lifted so now we're all gonna go on vacation or now we're gonna like everyone's going to go gather for a sporting event. It's still going to be like slowly, gradually getting us back into being able to live with the freedoms that we had before. And then also like, like you were alluding to on the other side of that, I know people who have given birth in the last month or so, and they haven't been able to have maybe their parents, like the baby's grandparents come and meet the baby and spend time with them or their close friends or family being able to meet the baby and maybe in some ways this is a nice time to be able to be home with a newborn because you're home all the time anyway and so it's a nice time for your nuclear family to be together and be spending time at home without the sort of outside pressures of the world but I it, I also can't imagine a world in which I gave birth and couldn't have my closest friends and family around to come visit or just even jump on a plane from New York and come see my baby even a month after it's born. So I think that the the post-delivery newborn phase during this time is also one that's probably really, really complicated because that's a time when you need support and community probably more than ever, even more than during your pregnancy potentially. And it's something that that in-person support and community is completely stalled right now. Yeah, totally. I mean, even just the you know, the meal trains that people do. I mean, I that was the biggest thing for me after Harper was born is having that household support. You know, like I didn't really, I was happy to just be at home holding her 24 hours a day when she was first born, but just having someone that can like bring you lunch or run errands for you or things like that, that can't happen right now. Um, and also one of my favorite memories of, you know, hours after Harper was born was my grandmother, who is no longer with us, but she was the first person to hold Harper, aside from, you know, who was in the room when she was born. So, like, just those memories, you know, this is, it's going to be so different this time. Um, Have you seen, there's a photo that's been circulating of a family in Ireland where the the father is holding the baby up next up to the window mm-hmm. and i think the grandfather is on the outside of the window looking in and like that's I've how he meets the baby like for the first time it's like so sweet but yeah. also makes me so sad yeah, yeah. it's a weird it's just time. such a i mean it's i don't know how many time. times we're gonna say it's it but really it is just such a weird time, time. <laughs> 
it's a weird time, but I think yeah. the reality is, yeah. is anyone, I mean, no matter what phase of their life they're, you're in right now, but particularly if you are pregnant or have a newborn at home, I think it's really important to try to stay in touch with your support system and really just try to keep your community as close to you as possible, even if it's not physically. And now, obviously, we're doing all kinds of remote community options, but I think that it should still be a time that we find time to celebrate. And I hope that those the little celebrations will still happen, whether they happen at the typical timeline or they happen at a later date or if they move from in-person to um, online. I just I hope that all of those little wins can still be celebrated because I think that we need those celebrations now more than ever in a time that just feels so grave and grim. Yeah, I I agree. And I'm uh, I have never been the kind of person who has been very uh, vocal on social media with my personal life. I try to tend to keep that out of social media for the most part. But I feel like this is a transition where like, thank God for social media and for us to have the ability to share, to have multiple ways to share what's going on in our lives with each other. Because like you said, like that gender reveal or whatever it's going to be, whatever the celebration was that you wanted to have, yeah. like how yeah. else do you no, have it I think it that's a great point. point. It keeps us connected, right? It makes you feel like you're not alone. It keeps it you does. connected to everyone, even people that you wouldn't typically be connected to. So we are lucky to be living in an age where we have social media and FaceTime. The fact my grandma, I don't know if I told you, I got a FaceTime call the other day from an unknown number. And my grandma, who lives in a nursing home an hour north from me, and I haven't seen her since this all started, which is hard for me because I normally see her at least every few weeks. I'll go up and visit her. I she one of the nurses from her nursing home lent her the iPhone and she called me and FaceTimed me and we were able to FaceTime. And I mean, it was just such a nice moment to be able to see her face. And it made me feel so happy and just grateful that I have something, a tool like FaceTime right now to be able to stay so connected to family. That's so cute. I love that. Oh, it was so cute. I mean, my grandma has a flip phone. She doesn't have like an iPhone or an email address or anything. And so when I saw her face from this random FaceTime number, I was like, Grammy, I can't believe it's you. <laughs> I just started hysterically crying. <laughs> oh, that makes my heart. Yeah, I'm sure it that makes my really heart so happy. Though, it That's was so, so cute. nice that the nurse from her nursing home did that. I'm sure she's doing it for other residents also. And it's just, an, it's yeah, technology is honestly a really great tool that we have right now. Yeah, I definitely think it was. It, I can't imagine. I can't imagine how we would be getting through this without it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Would be so different on for that sure. note, I feel like we should wrap up this episode. Unless, do you have any closing yes. tips or advice that you would like to share as someone who's really in the weeds right now, pregnant, living through the time of COVID-19? I mean, I wish I had some magical nugget of wisdom that I could just impart upon everyone, but... I mean, do what keeps you sane is the best that I can say. Like when we that first week that I was transitioning out of teaching and transitioning into homeschooling, I spent the entire week focusing on helping Harper get through homeschool. That was also the first week that Nick was working from home. So like I feel like I tended to everyone else more than I tended to myself and it backfired mm. in a huge way. So like whatever it is that helps you keep your sanity and your sense of emotional balance even though that's going to look really different right now than it did 
six months ago. Figure out whatever that is and like just focus on it on a daily basis, even if it's only for five minutes. I mean, sometimes I just have to get out of the house and walk around the block just to, you know, like clear the tension and allow myself to reset a little bit. Um, But as far as like how to plan for the near future I a lot of deep breaths (laughs) you know yeah a lot of deep breaths and just like acting based on the information that you have now which is I'm really good at playing the what if game Mm. and that's really dangerous so um acting based on what you know now and knowing that we will all get through this it's just gonna look different than we ever could have imagined well said (laughs) thanks what about you um any tips I think that I think yeah I think having some sort of daily routine right now has been the best thing for me even if it's just walking the dog twice a day and being able to get a bit of fresh air when I go outside and keeping a bit of a routine I like to cook to stay sane and it keeps my mind off of things so that's what I'm doing really to distract myself and just trying to keep some sort of normal routine and feeling like I'm still a human being living in a normal world even though I don't I feel a bit like a weird hermit in a crazy world but yes routine is definitely (laughs) helping me right now and those daily dog walks are keeping me feeling a bit more sane but it's hard every day is different yeah plus plus he's so cute cute. (laughs) (laughs) well and even simple things like taking a shower like I've noticed on the days in the beginning I just kind of gave up and I was like screw it all (laughs) it is but just like treating yourself like it's treating the day like it's a normal day I feel like is yeah and helpful too I there's so many memes of like Daytime pajamas versus nighttime pajamas, which has kind of become my reality also because I just live in stretch pants now. But like even just making sure that I shower before I start yeah. my day has made and a I huge difference. And I think also allowing yourself to have bad days is really important. At the beginning, I was like, yes, I'm going to use this yeah. extra time to learn a new language or build a new project, whatever it is. Just there's so much time and so many things I can be doing right now. But there are some days where I just can't do anything and I just need to sit with my thoughts and really not push myself and I think that we need to allow ourselves to act like that also and that's okay and I hope that society isn't putting pressure on social media and in other places on people to feel like this time has to be utilized in some way if you are at home and you have extra time more than you normally would um, I think that it's okay to just just sit and just in our emotions right now because I'm certainly having a ton of emotions yeah I think that's a really good point I think that's huge I agree go team go team all right thanks everyone for listening we'll see you next time bye